are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. It's early on Sunday. The Bengals haven't, have already, sorry, the Bengals have already played this week. They're not playing today (laughs) on Sunday. So we have nothing to worry about today, James. We're going to take a look back a little bit at the Thursday night game, some of the observations we've made, and talk about some themes of the first quarter of the season. And, well, the real the real thing is that the first real opponent of the Bengals season is coming to Paul Brown Stadium here pretty soon. So we're going to have to talk about what the Bengals need to do to right the ship in some areas that have been concerning, problematic early on. Some things are going well, for sure. And and Joe Burrow is certainly trending in the right direction. But let's start with playing complete games, right? And And getting out to better starts. Because we looked at this right before we started recording, Jim. The Bengals have scored seven points in first quarters this year. And in four quarters, four first quarters, they've scored seven points. Been much better around halftime considerably better like going into the half coming out of the half you know end of second quarter beginning of third quarter they just finished a game against jacksonville but they've also had some issues finishing games so starting games finishing games and and maybe you take some some solace in the way they finished the game against jacksonville but they certainly didn't start the game well and this is something that i think needs to get fixed because you've you've heard the team talk about it we've talked about it when they when they can play with the lead that's you know we talked all year last year about how difficult it is to to play from behind and for other teams that's also true yeah you you just you can't have the inconsistencies that they've had and like against a team like jacksonville sure you're going to be able to score potentially on four straight drives on all your second half possessions that's not realistic against these playoff teams these nfc contenders like the packers for example You can't expect to do that. And I get it. You could say, oh, well, the Packers defense hasn't been good, at least as we record this going into Sunday's slate of games. But but the point remains is you can't hang seven points total in four first quarters and expect to win. Now, they have won, but that can't continue. And there's little things. And I asked Zach Taylor this on Friday. Uh, There was little things in the first half of the Jacksonville game that kept them from getting going and getting in that rhythm. And the perfect example, the Jamar Chase touch, or not touchdown, 44-yard catch, he hits that, Bro drops it in, Chase makes the catch and run, suddenly the offense is moving. So I don't think they're far off, but they need to to find a way to get that corrected because, again, I, you say it out loud. If um, For example, the Bucks play the, the Patriots on Thursday or on uh, Sunday night football. If Mac Jones and the Patriots don't score in the first half, do you think they have a shot in hell at beating the defending Super Bowl champions? I don't. And so that that's that's kind of the barometer and the gauge of, of what we're looking at when you go from beating the Vikings or beating the Steelers or beating the Jags, which they're lower, to beating a really good team that's been a couple, a couple uh, NFC title games the past two years. And you, you talked about the Packers' defense. They've kind of been figuring it out 
a little bit too. Preston Smith having a bit of a renaissance season. Kenny Clark still really good in there. Jair Alexander, obviously really good. Adrian Amos, really good in, in the secondary. So there are some players. And, and so if they are figuring it out, then next week becomes tougher because you know what Aaron Rodgers can do. But speaking about, you know, the first quarter, the first half, some of the reasons this might be happening, right? So one of them is early in the season, first two games, Joe Burrow isn't playing like himself yet. And so there are these, you know, we talked about at the time, really conservative game plans to start. And they're running the ball a lot. They're not really taking shots. The The empty game is all quick stuff. And, and that was kind of the first couple games of the year. And then against Jacksonville this week, what, what lessons you can take away is, you know, it, it's little things, it's details. And, and the continued need to get better at some of these details. And, and maybe, like, get a little more creative in some spots. Like, I remember there's a, a throw to Mike Thomas on a... I think it's the third down, maybe it's the second down, where they run crossers against against man. They run this pick play crossers against man. CJ Uzama gets a nice pick on the defender. The defender has to go under it, and it's legal. There's no contact. CJ does a good job of, of juking him and, and making him take an adjustment step. And then, you know, Mike Thomas comes back to the line of scrimmage a little bit instead of making sure that he's keeping depth for that first down. Maybe Joe Burrow throws him there, but it looks like he starts to break back toward the line of scrimmage before before the ball comes out. So that that's one little thing, right? Other little things, you know, Jamar Chase, offensive pass interference where he probably doesn't have to do it. They were, generally speaking, very close in in the first half, and, and they just didn't quite finish drives, you know, missing a field goal, right? And, and that could change the course of the game significantly because instead of missing a field goal, which always seems to lead to positive things for the opponent, unless you're Notre Dame, you know, the momentum changes that happened there, right, could 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 have impacted that game. Maybe the offense doesn't go into a little rut. And the other thing that we're going to talk about, I think, in, in the second segment is second downs, but that's been a, an issue throughout games. And so figuring out how to come out of the gate quicker, finding a shot play earlier in the game, not being so conservative earlier in the game, executing on these details, on the intermediate stuff, on running plays early in the game, getting out to faster starts is going to be important at some point this year. And the Bengals haven't been severely punished for it outside of the Chicago game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And that's the thing. Like if looking back, if you're Jacksonville, man, did you miss out on an opportunity to, you know, the, the, the fourth and one, obviously looking back, I would have probably just quarterback snuck it with, with Trevor Lawrence and had him jump over the line. He's six, six, you know, and, and you call a quarterback sneak and see, you know, if that were anyways, point is, is you're not going to get by with this. And if you're down 14 or 21, nothing against Aaron Rodgers, he, you're probably not going to hold him to seven points in the second half. And, and it's not just him, Lamar Jackson, right? I mean, the Bengals have the schedule is going to get tougher and they're going to play these these playoff contenders in these teams where you're going to have to have a cleaner start to the game and here's the good news why why do you think it could happen why is it realistic or is this just an inconsistent team with an inconsistent coach and inconsistent players well you said it at the uh at the start of your last statement burrow slowly getting healthier trey hopkins hopefully getting healthier and more comfortable when those two guys are all the way back and i think burrow certainly closer than hopkins but when those two guys are all the way back and the offensive line should get a boost. Obviously, Burrow is you know a super you know Superman at times with the plays he can make. 
And and so that's it. That's what you're you're kind of banking on. And obviously they've won their last two games without T. Higgins, which is a big part of this offense. So there are reasons to buy into, oh, it's going to get better and it could get much, much better. So I, I don't think that's a pie in the sky expectation, but the, there's certainly some things they have to clean up if they want to get there. Yeah, Burrow's the biggest factor. 100% agree with you all yeah. the way. He's playing much, much better in the last two games. And this this is a conversation before the season, right? Like, we didn't know what to expect from Burrow. It took him a couple games to find his footing. And it was kind of a, if Burrow can be good and figure it out, then this team can win more games and they can go places. But it, it really does come down to Burrow. And he's starting to show signs that he can put the team on his back especially with the defense, by the way, the defense, give them credit playing well when they have to and doing so last week without some guys in the secondary, like Jesse Bates coming back helps Brandon Wilson out of position. And, and Matt Minnick points this out on Twitter, out of position in the run game, something that he points out. And I noticed, you know, in, in terms of run defense, they're missing Jesse Bates in that step to Brandon Wilson as his backup. So um, certainly some reasons that, you can be optimistic if you're a Bengals fan. Joe Burrow at the top of that list, getting T. Higgins back near the top of that list as well. They found ways to be productive without him, without Jesse Bates, without a fully uh, healthy secondary. And if they can get into week five healthy with this mini bye week, then this Packers game could tell us more about the direction of this season. And the other thing they need to fix, James, second downs and details. And we'll talk about some of those things coming up next. We all like saving money. Well, the GetUpside app is going to help you do just that. The next time you go fill up your gas tank, make sure you've already downloaded on your smartphone, whether it's an iPhone like this or an Android. And obviously, if you're watching on YouTube, you saw my iPhone. Uh, you, you can download it in the App Store. You can download it on Google Play, and, and it's free. And it's going to save you up to 50 cents on your first fill up by using promo code touchdown. So it's a free app. All you got to do is take the time to download it. Use promo code touchdown. Easy to remember. I mean, that's what Jamar Chase has four up this year. And Joe Burrow threw two of on Thursday night against the Jaguars. So promo code touchdown. And you're going to save up to 50 cents on your next fill up. So it's big money. And they've had customers save up to two to $300 a month using the GetUpside app. So there's no risk. It's easy to do. So check them out right now. Download the GetUpside app. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN for up to 50% off your first fill-up. 50 cents, I believe. 50 cents back on your first fill-up. Uh, let's talk Rivertown Inquiry. 50 cents, correct. 50 yeah. cents. Yeah, we're not we're not that good at saving you money. Let's talk Rivertown Inquiry. Uh, James and I had a chance to go by meet Doug, the owner and proprietor of Rivertown Inquiry and Apparel. We got to see the shirts. If you saw us at the Blind Pig, you saw James and I wearing matching shirts from Rivertown Inquiry. Looked really good. We'll be wearing them on the podcast. Joe Goodberry selling his hats with Rivertown Inquiry. The Bengals brain hat is down there as well. I think those are gone. So you might be too late there. But Rivertown Inquiry, if you're a Cincinnati person, if you have Cincinnati pride, which I know a lot of our listeners do, they have great stuff for you. And it's really, really high quality. That stuff is going to last you for ages so you can check it out in cincinnati in oakley 3096 madison road open tuesday to friday 10 to 6 10 to 5 on saturday 11 to 4 on sunday you can also shop online at rivertowninquiry.com we've got a promo code for you make sure you use it if you buy online locked on 10 you'll get 10 percent off your order so if you want to look cool like james and i in our really 
nice Rivertown Inquiry apparel, which neither of us are wearing today, but we will wear in the future. Go check them out in Oakley or online at rivertowninquiry.com. James, uh, what do you want to do? You want to talk second downs? You want to talk yeah. a little bit about some some details that, you know, do you want to talk Jackson Carmen because he got a 29 PFF grade? We're going to talk about both. Where do you want to go first? No, let's start with the second downs because, you know, second and 16, I think, stands out to a lot of people oh. and, uh, and not yeah. just that. So we'll do that and then hang around because, yeah, we'll, we will get to uh, Jackson Carmen and, and some other details. So let's talk about second downs this season. This is something that, you know, we, we started talking about, I think, last week in, and it really became a trend, you know, going into week three, coming out of week three. The Bengals as a team have been pretty good on first downs. They've been okay on third downs. Fourth downs this year, not so good, to be fair, when they have gone for it compared to last year when they were incredible. They, they were a little lucky, perhaps, and, and there's some regression to the mean happening there maybe. But second downs are a clear area where I think this team could improve. And it was a rough start, but in the second half, when Joe Burrow was really playing very, very well out of empty, for example, it did improve, but second downs against Jacksonville. They had a second and 12 incomplete pass. They end up converting the third and 12, but you have a second and 12 incomplete pass to start. Second and eight reception for no gain. Second and eight incomplete pass. It was batted at the line of scrimmage. Second and 16, two yard run. These are their first four second downs of the game. And the one that stands out, obviously, is second and 16, two yard run. And it wasn't as I recall, even a particularly favorable box to run against. I mean, it's not like it was a five-man box and you're like, oh, I can get seven yards here and make it third and manageable. And also on that play, I believe Jackson Carmen may have been primarily responsible for going for a short game, but I, I could be wrong on that. So don't quote me on that particular play. My memory is not that steel trap right now. But the point is, they started the game gaining a total of two yards on their first four second down plays. That's not very good. No. And, and so they go hand in hand, right? Seven first quarter points struggles on second down. We keep stats or the NFL keeps stats of third downs, but guess what? Third downs are much harder to convert if you're awful on second down, right? Second and 16, if you only run for two yards, well, guess what? It makes that third down very unlikely oh, yeah, that you're going to be able to convert that and, and keep that drive alive. And so that's something I'm sure they're looking at and they have to improve on because it's become a theme. This wasn't just a one week sample size where second downs were it. weeks ago. You spotted all of the second down runs. That was something that we, you know, we talked about in, in, in the second down struggles. And so now that's still a thing. And I would say the one benefit to playing on Thursday night it sucks because you probably didn't have as many guys as you would have had if they were playing on Sunday, you know, Bates, Higgins, guys like that. But this coaching staff gets a mini buy, so to speak, to kind of reevaluate things at the quarter mark of the season and figure out, all right, here's where we're good. Here's where we can get better. And here's where we suck and we better get better if we're going to be good. <laughs> and that's uh, that's what I'm sure Zach Taylor and his staff are looking at because this offense I haven't shied away from it, and they haven't scored 30 points all year in a game. I still think when they're humming, that should be the expectation in most weeks. And so if that's the case, and again, that's me. That's not Jake. 
right? But I do think that the Bengals should feel that way. And if they're going to ever get there consistently, they got to figure out these second down woes. There's no doubt about it. And a couple things to talk about, I think, around this idea of 30 points a game. So let's finish the second down conversation first and, and then talk about the other. I think it's actually really interesting. The other interesting change in the offense from last year to this year, but finishing second downs in this game, in the second half, second down actually went pretty well. So we saw one run on second and long on the second and 16. And I don't know if Joe checked into it or if that's just what they called because they thought, again, they could get it into a third and eight, third and seven instead of a third and 14, which they ended up facing. Because if you throw an incomplete pass, you're third and 16, and, and it's kind of the same result as a uh, third and 14. But second half, first second down in the second half, I think, is the chase 44-yard catch. And so they take a shot on a second down, and this is what we've been asking for. And then they go second and one. And this is this is like nitpicking a little bit, but they had a second and one and a second and two and a second and two. So they had three second and shorts in the second half, and they ran it on each of those plays. And for me, those are opportunities to take shot plays. And it's not like they're like in really poor field position where they're like, okay, we need to get out of the shadow of our own goalposts, and then we can take a shot maybe as we get closer to midfield. Like these are reasonable field position possessions. And to their credit, they convert two of those, a second and one with a four-yard mix and run, a second and two with a four-yard mix and run. But, you know, as I was watching with Joe in the stands, we're looking at it like, man, these are opportunities to try to take a little bit more of a shot when you get those second and shorts, when you have the successful first downs. And instead, you know, they convert the first downs, which is great, and they keep the drive going. But to me, there there is potentially some room for some extra shots there. The other thing is they're not running on second and long in the second half so like second and 10 12 yard boyd uh 12 yard boyd catch second and 10 four yard boyd catch second and nine 12 yard chase catch second and 10 seven yard chase catch second and eight nine yards to cj uzama in the final second down of the game sets up the game winning field goal cj uzama second and 13 uh the the uh jailbreak screen to the tight end out wide that gets everybody to raise their eyebrows 25 yards to set up the game winning field goal so to the Bengals coaching staff credit in the second half, throwing the ball on second and longs. The, the nitpick is you have an opportunity to take some shots there on the second and shorts if you want to, because you set up a third and short and, and you, you know, on second and two, third and two, you, you probably can run if you need to, especially if you're in four down territory, which I think they probably were for a lot of the second half. So um, that's what I'm looking at in terms of those opportunities in the second and on second downs in the second half and some improvement there. So the criticism about the second and long runs, they didn't do it this week. They did it. Yeah. Well. And, and, and so p- part of that is they're down. They obviously know they need to score and they were running empty. It, it probably on all those plays, it, you know, we haven't run the numbers on that, but I would imagine on those second downs, that's what they were in for most of them. And it worked. And part of that is, is Burrow getting healthier part of that is you're trailing and you really need to start pushing it and and so it's so they had to and hopefully that success and i'm not saying go empty every second down or anything like that but that success they look and they're like okay yeah we should take more shots push the ball downfield on second and short uh, and even if it's uh, you know second and long that's probably a passing down you know and uh, again I, I think the reins on burrow not that they were ever tight but they, they did ease him into the season. I think that's fair to say. And it was probably wise of them to do. And as what we get here into the second quarter 
of the year. I don't know if there's going to be any reins or any limitations or any worries or concerns. I mean, he's taken a ton of hits on the Uzama jailbreak. He got absolutely crushed illegally crushed. Oh, I hated it. I hated it. Yeah, Cause that's where my eyes were. Cause I knew he was going to, and he hung in there gets crushed and, uh, and made them pay for it. But yeah, I, I think part of it has to do with the empty sets as well. Up next, some details, more details. Jackson Carmen, how did he look in his second NFL start and more here on Locked On Bengals? Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports and, and highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's sister's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of your TV together in one spot. And it's called Direct TV Stream. It brings live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, and there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter, get rid of all the confusion and the de- unnecessary devices, and get together with Direct TV Stream. You can check them out right now at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. You know, my my dad didn't get to watch the Thursday night game down here in Florida. Maybe he could use direct TV stream. I'm going to have to talk to him about it. This episode of Locked On Bengals is also brought to you by Built Bar. James and I have recently both had the fortune of trying the cookie dough chunk flavor, which is delicious. Like if you remember me talking about the coconut brownie chunk, there's little pieces of brownie in it. There's little pieces of cookie dough. In this one, and it's a protein bar. Remember, these are protein bars, not candy bars we're talking about. And they have nine great flavors. Coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, something for everybody. You can even get a mix box, get two of each of those nine flavors. And like I said, these are protein bars. 17 grams of protein in most of the flavors on just 130 calories, just four grams of sugar. Can't really beat it. Covered in 100% real chocolate. Good luck finding a protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar and still hits those macros that James loves to talk about. Go to builtbar.com right now, promo code locked 15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Again, promo code locked 15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. James, uh, before we get into Jackson Carmen, the other note I was going to make about this Bengals offense, and this, this fits into the details conversation is pace of play last year. The Bengals were one of the fastest offenses in the NFL, especially while Joe Burrow was healthy in terms of getting many, many plays run. And that involves snapping the ball earlier in the play clock. And, that, and that's kind of how it's been measured. They, they had a faster pace of play. This year, I haven't looked specifically, but last week against Pittsburgh, they were under 50 offensive snaps, I believe, this week against Jacksonville. Much more even, but it was like 56 to 58 offensive snaps for the two teams not very many plays run generally speaking when you look around the nfl and sometimes you see in four quarter games you'll see 70 to 70 70 to 80 for for the two teams so if the bengals are interested in in pushing that score up and i I think they're managing they're, they're kind of calling for the game situations they're in they're just trying to win football games they're not trying to run up the score they could have tried to run up the score against Pittsburgh. I, I don't think they really tried. They tried to kill the game because their defense was playing well, right? But if if, that, if that's something they're interested in, they're going to need to be a little bit faster on offense, which has not been a point of emphasis this year. In fact, you would almost say it's the opposite. You know, they feel good about their defense. They're trying to be efficient on offense instead of 
necessarily fast and efficient. So um, that is something we can look at as the year goes on to see how they're approaching their pace of play. And and some of this could also be, you know, Burroughs taking more control at the line of scrimmage and, and trying to make adjustments late into the play clock. This is something that you would see, you know, Sean McVay, for example, in Jared Goff's ear to the 10 second mark or the 15 second mark or whatever it is. And so that, that could be deliberate. I'd be very interested to ask, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you can ask Zach this week is the, is the pace of play something that you guys are looking at and, are, are you happy with the number of offensive plays you guys are running every game? I think they would say he would say no. And that is a good question. And that's something I can note. Um, and I'll be like, Hey, Jake Lisko wants to know um, anyways, yeah, but no, I, I, uh, I think, no, they need more plays. And th- that's part of it. When you look at some of these, these struggles, part of the reason why, you know, they've ran like against Pittsburgh, it was in the forties. I believe it was 40 something plays. The defense was on the field for 87 plays. And so that's a hell of a ask in on a short week to say, all right, rebound from that and play against a, a pretty good Jags, at least talented Jags offense. I don't know if you want to say good, but they do definitely have some talent and do it shorthanded. Yeah, they do have to. James Robinson's talented, Jake, and Trevor's well, talented. I'm not arguing about talent. I'm arguing about good. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Okay, okay, okay. But yeah, your point remains is the pace of play. And I wonder if we start to see, you know, more – because I would like, I would like to see a little no huddle and and you know speed it up a bit. Because when they've sped it up at the end of the half, it's worked, and and they almost didn't need to run the note because it's like four plays and boom, Jamar Chase touchdown against the Vikings. Boom, Jamar Chase touchdown against the Steelers when they have to go quick. So uh, that's part of it. But yeah, I, I do definitely one hundred percent think they want um, more plays overall uh, offensively, and part of that they would probably say is, yeah, that's why we are running the ball like we are, which whether that's good or bad or however you feel, that's uh, that's what, one of the things that they have to evaluate during this mini buy. Yeah, I, I would just be curious how much of it is. Do they feel like it's just game script? Like against Pittsburgh, for example, we talked about, they felt like their defense was playing well, so they could just try to kill the game. But long term, your defense is going to wear down if it's playing 90 plays a game. That's just, you know everybody knows that's not going to be super sustainable. So if the offense can stay on the field for an extra 15 plays against Pittsburgh, that goes a longer way in milking the clock too. So there's a balance there. Like you run the ball to kill the clock, but you, you need to find first downs too. And you have a quarterback who's really good in the short game has been really good in the long game, intermediate game last year, long game this year has been like night and day. We haven't really talked very much about that. It's pretty obvious, but Joe Burrow on deep balls this year has been a revelation, by the way. So um, I, I think that there are perhaps more options at their disposal. And I'd just be curious to, to hear, you know, do they feel like it's game script? Do they feel like it's been a deliberate using more of the play clock or, you know, where where that the, the source of this? I, I don't even know if it's a, an issue, but, you know, statistical fact is coming from and certainly more noticeable in the last two weeks. I think mm-hmm. where, you know, really not getting many offensive plays against Pittsburgh, not sustaining drives necessarily in the second half. And then against Jacksonville, kind of like an average pace of play for a team that ran a lot of plays in uh, in 2020 on offense. Let's talk Jackson Carmen to wrap things up, James. Um, really poor PFF grade. In our instant reaction to the game, I praised him for a play that he really helped the Bengals score a touchdown 
And I still think that he was really good on that play. I think generally speaking, he's been much better in pass protection than run blocking, which, you know, we were talking before we started recording, isn't necessarily what you would think uh, from, from a stereotype perspective, thinking about, you know, the skill set that Jackson Carmen has. But he's been, I think, better mentally in pass protection. He's doing a really good job of keeping his levels. Again, this week, I think he did a good job of that. He's been really aware. Two weeks of false starts, though, right? Two, two games in a row, he's had a false start, which, you know, not, not what you want to see. You got to get that out of your system, especially this one at home. Uh, so there's no crowd noise excuse if, if there was one last week. And I, I think there was a mental mistake early in the game as well in pass protection, where, again, he went, he slid to help Trey on a defensive tackle and a blitzer came free through his gap. I don't know if that's truly his responsibility or not, but it looked like a similar mental mistake to what what he did against Pittsburgh, where there was a free rusher through his gap. Um, I'm, I'm speculating a little bit there, obviously, but the run game has been a little bit problematic for Jackson Carmen. Uh, you heard Mike talk about it in the film review last week. He's not sustaining his blocks well enough. That mm -hmm. continues to be an issue, I think, this week. He's giving up ground a little bit in the second level sometimes to linebackers, which is where, you know, with a full head of steam, if you get a free release as a 300-pound offensive lineman, you should not be getting shocked backwards by a linebacker that you meet at the second level. <laughs> Notice yeah. that a little bit against Jacksonville. And, you know, generally, I, I think he was responsible for, you know, some of those stuffed runs. And so definite room for improvement for Carmen in the run game. You know, I, I think he had a pancake this week too, but like trying to think of really positive plays in the run game, none are, I'm, I'm sure there were some, none are really jumping to mind for me. And instead I'm thinking of plays where, you know, he doesn't end up blocking anybody or, you know, he doesn't yeah. sustain the block. And then the, that guy ends up making the tackle. There's, I think there was a play where Mixon ends up gaining, ends up gaining eight or nine yards. But if Jackson Carmen can block his guy for a half second more, he has a chance, Mixon has a chance to beat a safety to the corner and, and go for 20 or, or even a touchdown. So it's those little things, right, where he's doing okay on some plays but not sustaining the block or just whiffing entirely on other plays where in the run game, I think, is where the Bengals coaching staff will be looking for the most improvement for, from Jackson Carmen in this little 10-day break. Yeah, and to me, he's he's done enough to earn a third start, right? He showed enough promise. He hasn't derailed your offense but there's a lot that he can work on and, and hopefully get better at because look, if, if he, this, what a draft class this would be if he ends up being their starting guard for yeah. eight years or whatever. I mean, you're starting to look at it. I mean, you got money McPherson, you, you got all these guys that are contributing. I know a size out, but man, it would be, it would be huge and obviously huge for the offensive line and, and big for Burrow that goes without saying. And so, yeah, hopefully you could just get rid of all the, the negative plays, because the reason I think they went with Suofilo over Carmen to begin with is because of, you know, the the mental side of it. And Suofilo is going to be here most of the time and he's not going to have the super low plays. And now whether he, he did or not and whether you agree with that, I think that was what they were thinking. And with Carmen, you get those touchdown plays, but you just want to get rid of these low ones. And, and if if that can happen then yeah, he can be a, a solid guard at, at some point. So yeah, I, I think he keeps the job. I don't think that's really a debate. I think Suofilo is going to be healthy and probably active against Green Bay, but uh, I also expect Jackson Carmen to be out there for the opening snap. And it'll be a tough matchup 
You know, I didn't give Green Bay perhaps enough credit, especially if Zadarius Smith is back. I don't know if he has a chance to be back. We'll have to check on that when we start thinking about the Green Bay game. But Kenny Clark and Preston Smith both are pretty good. Real quick before we go, I don't want to hear anything about predictions anymore because I nailed that one. I was a, a half away from not nailing it, though. Holy crap. Can you imagine what the hell I was thinking when the Jags are about to go up 21 nothing? I was like, I'm going to go 0-4. I don't want to go 0-4. I'm competitive too. And whoo, 1-3, baby. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> people let's people were go. people were talking. People were talking. <laughs> oh, James, James finally got it right. I heard that. I heard that being Did in town really? on Thursday. Oh, yeah, at the Holy Grail. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Money, baby. Uh, we talked about the offense a lot today, James. So uh, film review coming up, I believe. Is that tomorrow's episode? Or is, or is that Tuesday's episode? When we do get to film review episode, we're going to look at Burrow again, as we do. We're going to look at the offensive line again a little bit. Maybe we'll accelerate those sections and talk about this defense where still great play from the defensive interior. These linebackers, when's the last time you felt this good about Bengals linebackers, James? Because I couldn't tell you. I mean, it was sometime in the ever. middle of 2010s. Maybe Takeo Spikes, Brian Simmons. You know, th those guys are pretty good. But um the linebackers have been playing really well. Got to give some credit to Eli Apple. He had an actually good mistake-free game. Maybe we'll get a bit of a look at Trey Waynes on the All-22 because they didn't really go after Trey. We all know he gave up that bomb and he couldn't find the ball in the air. That was a heck of a throw, heck of a play from Trevor Lawrence. But a lot of defensive notes that we should probably get to a little bit later this week before we transition to that Green Bay game. But until then, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hootay, and have a good one.